Today on the Scottsville Podcast, Pastor Phil is teaching us about prayer. Specifically, we are looking at the roadblocks that get in the way of our pursuit of having an effective prayer life. Enjoy and be challenged by the word of the Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to Scotts Hill on this cold, winter, rainy day. And those of you who have chosen to stay home, thank you for inviting us into your home. We're glad that you're able to join us anyway. Uh, We're pretty slim uh, this morning and I figure that we would be, but that doesn't keep us from gathering together as a faith family as we feel led to do so. And it doesn't keep us from meeting together even online as we continue to learn together. So good to have all of you here this morning. My name Phil Ortigo. I serve as a senior pastor here in case you don't know. And uh, it's always a joy and a privilege for us to gather together as a faith family. Last week, we started a two-part series uh, that we are calling Prayerful. And we're just kind of recalibrating our hearts as we're moving into this new year and just being reminded of some things that we need to learn about the discipline of prayer. Today, we're going to conclude that series. But next week, I just want to let you know, we start a new series that we're calling Believe. We're going to do a 14-week study through the gospel of John. And as we go through the gospel of John, we're not going to look at verse by verse, but we're going to go through the entire gospel of John, 21 chapters, and it's going to lead us in 14 weeks and it will finish at the end of April. But what we want to do is just take uh, an opportunity to look through the gospel of John at all the different portraits of the Lord Jesus through the pages of scripture. And so it's going to help us to understand who he is, what is his character like, and how does his character impact and transform my life for his glory. So we're going to do that for the next 14 weeks starting next Sunday. But for today, we want to wrap up this series that we called this prayerful. And that's the word that God gave to me this year is the word prayerful and just trying to focus my attention on a deeper prayer life. And last week, we started by just talking about what is a good roadmap that can help us to pray more effectively. And I do think that all of us would agree that we can all improve in our prayer life. And one of the things that the Lord Jesus teaches his disciples and he teaches us is here's a simple roadmap in how we can become more effective in our prayer life. We sometimes call it the Lord's Prayer. That's what many people refer it to, but it's actually the disciples' prayer. And it is a prayer that Jesus modeled and taught us. And in that prayer last week, in the disciples' prayer, we saw that there are three intersections in this prayer. It begins with praise, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It begins with praise and it ends in praise that yours is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever and ever. So our prayer life should always have a high view of God. It should always begin with a high view of God and end with confidence because of a high view of God. So it's like two giant peaks in our life of this praise. But then right in the middle is an emphasis on our petitions. This is where we kind of go into the valley. This is where we spend time calling out to God, asking on our behalf and on behalf of others specific needs. Now, God loves us so much that he doesn't want us just to spend time praising him. He cares legitimately about the needs of our hearts and our lives. So he gives us the opportunity in this valley to worship him, but to call out to him. Now, let's be honest. It's really easy sometimes for us to begin and end with praise. But when we get to this valley of 
petitions of request, sometimes it's very difficult in knowing what to pray and even how to pray. And we, we get it that he says that we're to pray for provisions and we're to pray for those relationships in our lives and we're to pray for protection. But what does that really look like? And a lot of times we just get it wrong. I'm not a big fan of country music. Some of you are, a lot of you are. Some of you might be saying, now wait a minute, didn't you just buy some cowboy boots? Come on. You gotta like something country. And, but the thing I like about country music on some songs is they're very clever sometimes. And they've got some really catchy phrases and catchy tunes that you can sing to. I came across a country song many, many years ago. Um, and it was a song of a young woman who broke up with a young man. And the young man was absolutely distraught over this. He was angry with this girl who broke up with him. So he ends up going to church one Sunday and the preacher at this church begins giving him some wisdom. And he writes this wisdom down and the song goes like this in that part. It says, so I listened to the preacher as he told me what to do. He said, you can't go hating others who have done wrong to you. Sometimes we get angry, but we must not condemn. Let the good Lord do his job and you just pray for them. Then he goes into a prayer. I pray your brakes go out running down a hill. I pray your flower pot falls from a windowsill and hits you in the head like I really want to do. I pray your birthday comes and nobody calls. I pray you're flying high when your engine stalls. I pray all your dreams never come true. Just know that wherever you are, honey, I pray for you. Now, there's something janky about that prayer, isn't there? There's something wrong about that prayer. And every one of us can say, yeah, I feel like praying prayers like that. And I'll be honest with you. I pray a lot of prayers like that for our politicians these days. And, and those are called imprecatory prayers and imprecatory psalms. But, but those are wrong prayers. And you and I both know that. And sometimes our prayers kind of feel like that. And here's the tension in our prayer life. The tension is this. I know what God's word says about prayer. I know that God calls me to pray, but sometimes I feel like I must not be getting it right because I'm praying certain prayers and I'm not feeling that they're answered or maybe I don't have any confidence in the prayer. And so what happens is we get frustrated with the, our prayer life. God constantly calls us to pray. Jeremiah 33, 3. I always call this God's phone number. He says, call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. So the father says, call to me. Then in Psalm 17, verse six, I call upon you for you will answer me, O God, incline your ear to me, hear my words. Then in Psalm 18, six, the psalmist says, in my distress, I called upon the Lord to my God. I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears. And we could go through all the pages of scripture. And then what do we discover? We discover that God's intention is that we would call to him. The father invites us to call to him. The Lord Jesus himself teaches us that we are to call to him. The Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us with words that are too deep for they're just groaning. So the entire triune God is involved in the process of asking us to pray. 
In fact, the Lord Jesus himself teaches us. He says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, here's the tension, isn't it? Here's the tension. God calls us to pray. We pray. And for many of us, we feel like they go unanswered. For some of us, we don't get clarity in that. Some of you right now have been praying and calling out to God for things and you haven't seen the answer yet. Some of you are struggling and have struggled and even have given up on praying. Some of you have become distracted by this whole thing of praying and some of us just become confused with it. That on the one point, God is calling us to call out to him and on the other side, our experience tells us differently. So how do we reconcile these things? Well, here's the thing that we need to understand. Just as Jesus gives us a roadmap for praying, we need to understand that there are some roadblocks that keep us from effective praying. In fact, there are seven roadblocks that will keep our prayers from being effective. So here's what I want to do this morning. Just as last week we kind of painted this roadmap for praying, this is what I want to share with you this morning is what are some of those roadblocks? What are the things that keep us from effective praying? And how do we get around those roadblocks? This morning, I want to look at seven of those. We're going to look at the book of James, the, um, chapter four. And if you have your Bibles, turn there, chapter four of the book of James. And we're going to find several of these. And then we're going to look at some other passages as well as we finish it out. But here's what I want to do. I just want to point out to you these roadblocks so that we can learn how to avoid these things in our prayer life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. I pray, Father, that you would speak to our hearts, encourage our hearts this morning in this issue of prayer. And that, Father, rather than being beaten down by all of these things, we would be encouraged to look for these things. That, Father, we might please your heart in all that we do. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me give you the seven roadblocks that can keep us from effective praying. Number one, prayerlessness. That should go very clearly without saying, but we need to understand it. Prayerlessness is a roadblock. James is writing. James is the half brother to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's also the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And he is writing to a group of Christians who are having a very difficult time. There's been some struggle in the church. There's been some, some disunity. There's been some griping and complaining and even some worldliness. So he's writing to them about this issue of prayer. And he says this, you do not have because you do not ask. He's saying to them, the reason you're struggling and the reason you're not having answers and the reason there is no power in your church is because you're not even praying. You're not even asking God to intervene in our lives. Now, there's a number of reasons why we don't ask God. One reason we may not ask is because we're indifferent. We've got everything we need. And we live in a culture where we pretty much have everything we need. And when you live in a culture that's filled with prosperity, you can become cold towards leaning into God for specific things because you have everything you need. And so you can grow indifferent if you're not careful. Or maybe we can be independent. I really don't need God. And when do we often pray? When we can't figure it out ourselves, then the last thing we do is we pray. 
And then as a result of that, we don't begin with prayer. Or maybe this, maybe we're just ignorant and we don't understand. Listen, the heart of the Father is he wants us to go to him. He is our Father. We are his sons and daughters. And as children, it is the desire of the Father that we would go to him with our requests. And I would say this. I believe that the heart of the Father desires to give us much more than we desire to ask. And many times the reason we don't have power in our life is we don't ask. Many times the reason we don't have the character of Christ in our lives is we don't ask. And we don't go to the heart of the Father. This past Christmas, I had some wonderful gifts come to my house. My two grandchildren, Hudson and Hadley. Hudson's three years old, Hadley's a year and a half. And, and I had the privilege every day of sitting down with them. And man, I'm gonna tell you what, when they come to my house, I'm Pops, okay? Pops is their play toy. Man, I play with them nonstop, and I am so grateful to the Lord that they take a nap after lunch. I really am. Uh, but, but I love being with them. But right at lunchtime, I was helping them eat one day. I got Hudson all set up at the bar. He's eating. He's digging in with his fork. And he's just, he's a big kid now. You know, he's three years old. And Hadley's over here. And she's really not talking a whole lot yet. But she's in her little high chair. I fixed him some macaroni and cheese and some pork tenderloin. Listen, we don't give our kids that cheap stuff, you know. But uh, we, we got him all that stuff going. And Hadley's over here. And she, I gave her a spoon. I'm, I'm really not accustomed to all of this stuff. So I gave her a big spoon, you know. And Hudson, he's tearing it up and she's just looking at me and she's getting frustrated and then she looks right in my eyes and she says this she says help <laughs> you know what I said to her you little brat grow up feed yourself and I walked away no I didn't do that she melted my heart and I sat down and yes I'll help you I fed her till her eyes almost popped out I mean listen it was the joy of my heart to help her. And the joy of the father for his sons and his daughters is that he longs for us to call to him and say, help. The reason many of our prayers are dead end is because we just don't start. And I want to tell you this. I've said this before, but this is so true. You and I have as much of God as we want. You and I have as much of God as we want. And the prayerless person has all of God that he or she wants. And the reason our prayers are not going deeper is we just don't pray. But let me give you the second roadblock. Wrong motives. This is a huge one. Wrong motives. James continues on. And now when he says that you're not praying and you don't have because you don't ask, he says, when you do ask, you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. He's saying some of you are not getting your prayers answered because you have the wrong motives in your prayer life. You want it all about you. You want it about your passions. You want it about your will and your purpose. And a lot of times we think that if we're going to have a relationship with God, it's all about him just being the genie. And I call to him and he gives me every single thing that I want. And many times we can couch our motives in spirituality, can't we? 
Well, we can do that really well. Like the, the woman who was praying that God would give her a handsome husband. She kept praying and praying and praying and it was never answered. She went to her pastor one day and she said, listen, I've been praying years that God would give me a handsome husband. And he said, well, you're praying the wrong thing. You're only praying for yourself. Learn to pray for other people. And so she started praying for other people. She began praying that the Lord would give her mother a handsome son-in-law. <laughs> now, it might sound like she's praying for benefit of other people, but she's really praying for herself. And a lot of times what happens is when we come to prayer, if our motives are wrong, then we can't expect anything to be answered. My little girl, Leslie, and she's always going to be my little girl, but when she was a little girl, she came to me one day and she said, Daddy, I have something I want to ask you, but I know you're going to say no. I said, okay. And she said, well, you don't want to know what it is? I said, honey, if you already know I'm going to say no, then don't waste your breath about asking. She goes, well, Dad, don't you want to know? I said, okay. What is it that you want? And she made the request. And I said, you were correct. The answer is no. I knew it. I said, well, if you knew it, why did you ask me? And here are her words. Because I wanted to get my way. I wanted to get my way. And a lot of times when we go to the Lord in prayer, we make it so much about us. Here's what we miss. What is the Father's heart in this? What is his desire for this? Will it give him glory? Will it benefit other people? Or is it only for an issue at hand for a selfish heart? And a lot of times when our motives are wrong, there's a roadblock. Now you might say, how do I know if my motives are wrong? God knows my heart. That's right. What is your desire most? Do you want this prayer answered to just simply benefit your life? Or do you want this prayer answered that he is glorified? And through that answered prayer, you become more like Jesus. And through that answered prayer, you impact the lives of other people. Those are the things you can ask. Are these right motives? So one roadblock, obviously, is prayerlessness. The second one is wrong motives. But here's the third one, unbelief. Unbelief is another roadblock for prayer. This is huge. And a lot of times we pray things from our lips that we don't even believe in our hearts. And it stops the prayer. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Now, this is a tough one because when we pray, we're to believe that God can do it. But we also believe that God desires to do it. Now, if it's in keeping with his word and his will, as we're going to look in a little while, we need to trust him. It's not enough just to believe in God. We have to believe God. And we have to believe that this is something. So when we go to him, we go in faith. I go in faith, absolutely certain that God can do it. Absolutely certain that if this benefits his glory and his will, that he will accomplish it. We're not to be like the lady who woke up every morning and she looked out her kitchen window and there was this huge mountain there. 
And one day she was reading scripture and Jesus said, if you had the faith of the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be cast into sea and it will be cast. And she starts saying, I'm going to pray that. I'm tired of looking at that mountain. I'm wondering what's beyond it. So she would pray every day for a week. Lord, take that mountain, cast it into the sea. And finally, at the end of the week, she opened up the window and there was a mountain. And her response was, yeah, just what I thought. Just what I thought. And a lot of times when we pray, if there's unbelief in our heart, we can't expect that that will ever be answered. The writer of Hebrews says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he's a rewarder of those who trust him. And so we need to walk in this faith. George Mueller was a great man of faith. He ran an orphanage in Bristol, England. And he never asked anybody for any help. Here's what he did. He prayed for every single need he ever had. And with every single prayer, God miraculously answered all of his prayers for that orphanage. And here's what he says about that kind of praying. Faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. And so when you pray for big things, you can know that if it's beyond the possibility of humanity and trusting God for that, you are walking in deep faith. So unbelief, but here's four. Not abiding in his word. Not abiding in his word. Now I want to tell you that as we walk through these, these roadblocks are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. That we are to abide in his word. Jesus says this in John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, we love to quote this verse, but let me tell you where we love to land. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done. We love that part. I can just ask for whatever I wish and it will be done. And But what we miss is the conditional phrase of that answered prayer that Jesus begins with. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. There is a precondition for us to walk in answered prayer. And that is this, that I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I am abiding in him. I have an intimacy with him. I am walking in him. I am listening to him. There's this intimacy of a relationship, but there's also revelation from his word that I'm gonna be living according to his word. I am going to walk with Jesus every day. I'm going to seek to hear his heart, but I want to know his word as well. And when I know his heart and when I know his word, then the things that I ask for will line up with the very things that he desires. And when I ask according to his heart and according to truth and revelation of his word, then I can know that I can have the things that I ask. Here's the problem. When we're not walking close with Jesus and we begin to ask for things or we're not in his word and we don't even know what he teaches us about those issues, then I am going to probably pray wrongly when it comes to those. A lot of times our prayers are like that of children learning to color. I want you to think about children learning to color. Little kids, 
And if you, if you think about the coloring books that they have, the lines for those objects that they're coloring are very bold and thick. And there are two mistakes that children always make when they learn to color. Number one, they never stay within the boundaries. Have you noticed that? They're just taking it or just color all across the page. Or they have the inability to stay within the boundaries, and so they just color as they feel led to. The second mistake they make is they always use inappropriate colors for objects. They might color the sky green. They might color the ground blue. The tree might be purple. People's faces might be green. And they cannot figure out the appropriate colors. We do the same thing when we don't pray according to the heart and the word of God. What we can do is we can pray outside of boundaries. And when we do that, we're wondering why our prayers are not answered because we're going beyond the bounds of scripture. Or maybe we're praying with, with the wrong colors and we're asking for the wrong things. But as a child matures and they begin to learn that, so we do as well. And you and I are not ever to get involved in praying apart from the word of God. Let me tell you why this is so hard. Because so many people don't even read the word of God. We don't read it. If we don't read it, if we don't know it, we're always going to pray outside the bounds of it. And I want to tell you one of the most powerful things you can ever pray is the word of God back to God. Just take the Psalms and pray to him. And read the words as a prayer to him. You can't ever go wrong when you do that. And the more that we know of the word of God, the more I know how to pray. And I can understand that my prayers can be answered. Why? Because I'm praying in line with what is the heart of the father. So learn to pray according to God's word. Here's the fourth thing. Rebellion and sin. Again, I said it's getting deeper and deeper. Rebellion and sin can be a roadblock for effective praying. The psalmist says, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. You know, it's amazing to me that people will live their life any way they want. And I'm talking about believers. And they'll make the decisions that they want to make. And they'll make bad financial decisions or bad choices in life. And then whenever those things get to be critical and become a crisis, suddenly they want God to bail them out. There's an old saying we used to have that we like to sow our wild oats on Saturday night and pray for crop failure on Sunday morning. And what we do is when we live that kind of lifestyle, that I'm going to live my life how I want and in the midst of all of the sin and rebellion, God's now got to pull me out of it. And the danger of that is whenever we're living in contrary to God's word, we cannot ever expect our prayers to be answered. And so there's this need for us as children of God, and Matt led us in this this morning, of confessing our sins to him and always, that rather than trying to manage our sin, we confess it and we repent of it. But I want to tell you what most Christians like to do, and I do as well. We like to manage our sin. Because there's some sins that we want to keep, and if we can just manage it and control it, then maybe, you know, we could pull it up when we need it, and then we could put it away when we should. Let me give you an illustration of this. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hunter, and so every year I go and I put corn out. Um, for deer. And we have feeders, but we have some places where we just throw the corn on the ground. 
And most of the time during my lunch break is when I go do that. And so I'm, I'm out in the woods one day and I've, I've got these heavy rubber boots and I pull on because of the snakes that we have in the area. And so I'm walking through the woods and I've got a bag of corn on my back. And as I'm walking through, there's something in my left boot. And, it, and, and it's not moving, but it's an object. And I can feel it in my toe. And so instead of taking my boot off, you know what I did? I just wiggle my toe and I get it out the way. And I walk a little bit and then it'll work its way to my heel. And then I got to move it around a little bit and I get it to where it's comfortable. And then I can kind of change the way I walk, put my weight on this way and this way. And what I found myself doing, instead of taking the boot out and pulling out the kernel of corn that was in there, I kept trying to manage that in my boot. And we do that with our sin sometimes, don't we? Rather than just getting rid of it, we want to try to manage it. We can put it over here. It's not so uncomfortable. Oh, if I can hide it over here. Nobody can see it, but the Lord does. And a lot of times because of sin in our life, our prayers are not answered. And I want to say this today, that if you're a child of God, we can confess that sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us of that sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Then we can walk in his presence and know that I can ask anything and it'll please him. So, rebellion and sin. Let me give you another one. Impatience. Impatience. Anybody here ever been impatient when you're praying? Come on. Yeah, some of you, that hand went up really fast. Yeah, we, we can all do that, can't we? Impatience. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and he heard my cry. Now, here's the interesting thing. You read a passage like that and it sounds so good. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined. But here's the thing we don't know in this passage. How long David waited. There's no time frame in that. How long did he wait for that? We don't know. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. The Lord is patient towards us. And when we're going through a time of prayer, impatience is something that can destroy that prayer life. Because we want it done quickly. We live in a world that's very fast-paced, don't we? We live in a world that's constantly moving. We don't like to wait on anything. But here's where we miss it. A lot of times when we look at the trees around us, we love to look at the foliage and the fruit of the tree. You know what God looks at? He looks at the roots. Because it's in the roots where the tree is nurtured and growing. It's in the roots that the foundation is being established. It's in the roots that provide the stability and the protection for that tree against the wind and the rain. All of the fruit is just simply the product of a healthy root system. And a lot of times when we pray, we want to see the fruit immediately. We want to see the answered prayer. And the Father is saying, that's not what I'm interested in. I'm interested in your prayer life developing the root system for your life. And that root system is going to be what nourishes you. That root system is what's going to be the foundation for your life. And when the winds and the rain and the storms come, you will not be shaken. But in due time, that fruit will come. And the fruit is the product of the root. 
And when you and I pray and we wait patiently, what God is doing in us is building something that can never happen apart from that waiting. So even in your waiting in prayer, some of you are praying for children and you're waiting. Some of you are praying for loved ones. Some of you are praying for that person who's sick. Some of you are praying for that difficult situation. Some of you are praying for that job. Some of you are praying for your career and God is saying, just wait on me, wait on me. Let me do the work in you because the fruit that's going to come is far greater than that crisis or that need or that financial situation because it's gonna be lifelong. And it's in that patience that God does some of the deepest work in us. Don't be impatient because it will kill a prayer life. Here's the last one, lack of persistence. Now, impatience leads to giving up. It always does. And there's a lack of persistence sometimes when we pray. The old saints of old used to use a phrase that we don't use anymore. They used to say, pray through midnight. I love that. Pray through midnight. Don't give up. Keep praying. Be persistent in your prayer life. In Luke 11, Jesus tells a wonderful story of a man who has some guests that come to his home late at night, unexpectedly. He doesn't have the food to feed them, so he goes to his neighbor's house and he pounds on the door late at night and he says, I need three loaves of bread. I've got some guests unexpectedly. And the man says, go to bed. My family is already in bed. I can't help you now. And Jesus says that man will get up and give him bread, not because he's a friend, but because of his persistence. The word persistence there in the Greek, I love it. Here's what it means. Shameless audacity. There was a shameless audacity in this man that he refused to give up and he pounded on the door until the man opened it. And then Jesus closes with this passage. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Now here's something you need to know about these words. These are present active indicative, which means this, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And the one who keeps on doing it, these are the ones who receive the answer. Don't give up. Some of you have been praying for people for a long time and you're thinking now, what's the use? Doesn't look like God's going to do anything. Keep on asking. If it's in line with God's will and it's for his glory, keep on asking. Never give up. The Lord Jesus reminds us of this. And when we avoid these roadblocks, here's what he says. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked for. We know we have it. Now, let's be real. When you look at all these roadblocks 
And you're looking, okay, I've got to avoid that. I've got to avoid that. I've got to avoid that. The question comes to mind, how can I ever be good at prayer? I can't do all those things. I'm always going to fail in one of those areas. So do I have to wait until I have perfected all of these things for God to be able to hear and to answer my prayer? The answer to that is no. The Lord already knows the weaknesses of our hearts. He knows the intention of our heart. We're never going to be perfect in all of these things. So what do we do? We pray as best as we can. We constantly check our hearts. Is this God's will? Is this a selfish motive? Is there sin in my life? And as we continue to ask those questions, the Holy Spirit uses those to take us much deeper than the discipline of prayer. It moves into an intimate worship with the Father. But here's the other thing that we need to understand, that we don't have to have all of these things perfect for God to answer our prayers. In fact, I will tell you this, for every child of God, God always answers your prayer positively. You might say, what do you mean by that? There's a wonderful book that J.I. Packard wrote years ago before he passed away. J.I. Packard is a brilliant scholar from Vancouver um, uh, in Canada, and he led a theological seminary there. Tremendous mind and theological, um, theologically centered. And so he writes this book on praying, and I would recommend it. It's pretty thick and pretty heady, but it's a wonderful piece. And here's what he says in this book on praying. He says, if our reasoning was right, what he does is what we ask. If our wisdom failed, what he does is what we should have asked. He knows and he does what is better in every situation. Then he goes on. God always answers his children's prayers positively. And that is the clue we need to help us understand the actual outcomes for our praying. God's yes is regularly a case of you're thinking about how I could best meet this need was right. His no is a case of not that, for this is better. And so is really a yes in disguise. And his wait is a case of wait and see. I will deal with this need at the best time and in the best way. Keep watching and see what you can see. Now, it's very simple what he's saying there. That God answers every one of our prayers. If it's right, yes. If it's wrong, no, I'm going to do this instead. If it's the wrong timing, wait, wait, wait on me. Watch what I do. Then he he wraps all of this. It blows my mind. Here's this theological giant. He takes this issue of prayer and he puts it in the most simplest form. Here's what it says. Don't fret, just pray. God fixes our prayers on the way up. Don't fret, pray. He fixes our prayers on the way up. Now, that's in context of seeking to pray rightly. And as we avoid the roadblocks of our lives, and as we allow the Holy Spirit to do these things, then what you're going to see is your heart in praying changes. Because it won't be so much about you. It'll be more about the glory of God and his will for our lives. Ask whatever you need and it will be done as we avoid the roadblocks of our lives. So what do we do? Questions in closing. Am I praying and what are my motives? Am I praying with faith? 
Am I praying according to his word and his will? Is there a sin that is hindering my prayers? Do I demonstrate patience and do I pray through a matter? Many years ago, a man by the name of Leonard Ravenhill was a great man of God, a great prayer warrior. In writing about prayer and the need of the church, here's what he says. He says, the church has many organizers, but few agonizers. Many who pay, but few who pray. Many resters, but few wrestlers. Many who are enterprising, but few who are interceding. The secret of praying is praying in secret. A worldly Christian will stop praying and a praying Christian will stop worldliness. Tithes may build a church, but tears will give it life. That is the difference between the modern church and the early church. In the matter of effective praying, never have so many left so much to so few. Boy, we need prayer warriors. And the way we pray is we pray. Somebody asked me one time, Phil, how do I pray more? I said, it's really simple. Pray more. Why? More prayer leads to much prayer. It always does. And as we're trying to recalibrate and moving into this year, there's a roadmap. So simple. There are roadblocks that we avoid and we make a commitment to pray. Every Sunday at 9.15 during this hour, there's a group of prayer warriors in a room down this hall praying. Every Sunday. If you would like to be a part of that, you can join that group. It may mean that you shift to the 11 o'clock prayer time. But our goal is to create the same thing at 11 o'clock. That if you're in a 915 service and you would like to join a group of people who pray the entire hour through the service, then we want to put together a team like that and we'll let you know when we do that and where that team will meet. But for your own life, my word is to encourage you to pray. Don't fret. Just pray. God will fix your prayers on the way up. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a reminder today. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity we have to gather for those who are at home and those who are in this room. Challenge our hearts with this issue of prayer. Make us the prayer warriors that you desire us to be. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope that God uses this message in you to transform you more into the image of Christ. If you have any questions about our church or you want to learn more about Jesus, visit our website at scottshill.org slash next steps. Till next time.